So have you heard this term before, the cosmic? You heard it? Okay. So, you know, it basically means kind of like the everything. It's both the, usually used in Rosicrucian use, uh, kind of to encompass the laws of the universe, which include the physical laws that most of us talk about, you know, which are, you know, keep the chair here, and physics and gravity, as well as the laws of operation that uh, govern human interaction, interaction of living things as well. But it also includes the notion of the universal mind that's embedded in that. So we, we would say that it's not like there's a bunch of laws that are over there, and there's kind of, you know, God or, or divine intelligence over here. It's say they're kind of interrelated, they're one and the same. It's, it's the substance and, and form are the same in that sense. So that way we say it's the universal mind and the laws of its operation, kind of all. It's not something that's remote or separate, uh, one from the other. Uh, so it includes all that is, as by definition, so um, as compared to some other philosophies of views that might say, well, you know, there's, there's God over here and there's the creation over there. Uh, the view, the Rosicrucian view, looking at the cosmic, it is all part of, of one uh, uh, essence and substance. Uh, this is a, really one of the biggest ideas, I'd say, in Rosicrucianism, is that uh, it operates, the cosmic operates according to laws. There are certain laws or principles that it operates under, and uh, as compared to, I'd say, more traditional religious beliefs, where you kind of, uh, you know, there's a God, and you kind of pray to this God, and the God says, oh, it's Tuesday, I like you, I'll do this for you. And then uh, you kind of came the wrong way, I don't, you know, you brought me in a bad mood, or you whatever, and we do something different. Uh, this notion of that operates according to law, in a sense, makes it impersonal. Now, not as in different or cold, but it's just like the law of gravity is a law, Let's say, and a, you know, we'll talk about the law of karma later on, the notion that uh, these things are not idiosyncratic, it's not based on who you are. Well, I like this one better than that one, or you're a Muslim, well, I treat you one way, and you're a Jew, I treat you another, and you're a Christian another way. But there, this, this law is, is kind of uh, universal in, its, in, in, in how it operates. So, physical universe is governed by laws, we all know that, we study that in school. Uh, and, and this is another uh, thing that uh, most of humanity, I would say, does not subscribe to this, but partly because of, of a lack of, of consideration of it. But we're saying that even human experience is governed by laws. So people recognize that if you know you throw something in the air, it comes down. There are laws that govern the physical, material world, and you know the science that we uh, benefited from. That we have lights here, and that it operates every time you cut the switch on. Uh, the laws of electricity, electromagnetism. All these things we accept that there's law that governs and that's how we're able to create things and manufacture things and send rockets off into space. But conversely, people generally don't look at the notion that human life and human activity is also governed by laws. Uh, they think, okay, that's just random. You know, what happens to people is just random. Though everything else we accept is kind of governed by very detailed laws of, of, of what we call laws of nature in general. So that the Rosicrucian view is no, there are laws that govern human experience as well, and all the experiences of all things in the creation. Uh, and one of uh, this law that we refer to a lot is the law of karma, uh, which is the law of balance. People say compensation, but the notion of bringing things into balance. Uh, they're impersonal. Cosmic laws are personal. Doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you know, there are no specials. There are no favorites. You know, uh, whereas again, in most religious traditions, there's the notion, in the sense, that God has favorites. You know, you're in this 
religious tradition. God likes you more than he likes the other, or she likes the other folks. Uh, our view is the Rosicrucian view is that it's impersonal and affects all equally. It doesn't really matter what you know, who you are, what you're bringing, and where you came from. Uh, and uh, this is an interesting point. It's like what you might find in the uh, kind of Judeo-Christian tradition of the still small voice. So we said the cosmic can direct us of how to work with inner laws to attain our goals. And that's very true. If you, uh, it, it's, it's, there is a kind of a simple handbook. You know, to some degree, for most people, life is like getting a, a new complicated uh, Blu-ray DVD player that, you know, also microwaves without a manual. You know, they see the blinking light saying 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. They don't know how to get the light off. Uh, most people, that's what life is like. It's, they think it's kind of accidental and random. They don't know the handbook. Uh, most people following traditional religious views, traditional religious views, don't find it actually solves that problem for them. Uh, so they're told either have no faith, and you see what happens after, and you die. Uh, but we say there are these laws, but also that the cosmic, uh, whatever you view it as God, however you want to use the terminology, uh, can and will direct us uh, if we kind of turn our, our attention inwardly uh, to hear that still small voice that you hear uh, kind of in the Old uh, Testament of uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition. The cosmic is impersonal. Everyone is everyone's equal value, and that's back to the point I was raising before. Uh, no matter once one station, one is equal from God. This is, uh, you know, we hear that all men, all men, humankind, are created equal. But of course, if you look around, if you look at it objectively, there's no way you can say everything is equal. Some are short, some are tall, some are fast, some are slow, uh, some have money, some have no money, some have water, clean water, some have no clean water, some are you know, fast with this, some are good with that. But the, the difference is when you can look at it in nature, right? If you just kind of look at nature, uh, there's some animals that are fast and some ain't as fast. The ones usually are not as fast get eaten by the ones who are. Uh, so there's, there's that said that is clearly their differences, uh, but where the, the equality is, has to do with uh, basically, uh, well, if I again use the illustration of this guy that we call the same time, he was a French mystical philosopher of the 18th century, not in 1803, and he, he described the idea of a circle, and he said all of human, humankind is arranged around the circumference of a circle, all in different stations of sorts, different, you know, places they're born, different stations of status in the societies in which they're born, different attributes and, and abilities. So we're all arrayed around this giant circle, circumference of sorts, but he said everyone is equidistant in the center. So the spiritual nature that really is what makes us have consciousness, right? You know, I mean, because this thing of consciousness is so more profound than anything you could own. I mean, the idea that you could think and look and respond and be aware, I mean, it eclipses, we haven't been able to recreate that with all of our science, right? You know, we can't even mimicking a tiny kind of a bit of it in a sense. Uh, so we're all around the circumference of the circle, but we're all equidistant from the center, and that's how we're all equal. The uh, prominent part of kind of conventional uh, thinking is that people are left baffled because they can't see the equality. They're told, to, they're told about it, but they're not thinking, hold it, is there another way to look at this? And therefore to recognize actually what we all do have equally in common uh, no matter what our station is. Uh, so in that way, uh, we're all uh, uh, the same. Uh, there are no special individuals, groups, or genders. You know, men aren't special. Uh, of course, men wrote most of the books, so they make God a very kind of male figure. 
there's no group Jews are more special than Muslims and Christians are more special than you know Jews and, 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 uh, and Hindus etc no special groups uh, you know there's a revelation or the missing awareness in different cultures people have come to awareness of, of this our innate nature but depending on their culture uh, very often with the trappings of their how they describe and express it so I like to give the example uh, very often we could all go into uh, the ballroom across the hall here uh, and be asked to describe it. Get a five minute look at it, come back, or a two minute look and come back and describe it. We will all describe roughly, it's a large room, there's some lights in the ceiling, but depending on your background, if you have to be an artist, you may pick up one of the colors in the room. Uh, if you're an engineer, you're going to, or a contractor who builds structures, you'll think, well, there's so-and-so in the room. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, maybe the layperson, you just might pick up the general ambiance of the room. So everybody kind of comes back and describes it somewhat differently, but you can see if you look, the general characteristics of it are common across religious traditions. Uh, and, but people very often feel, well, the way I described it and saw it, this is the way simply it is, which simply how they looked at it. Uh, you know, each of the traditions kind of offers a different vantage point and they can all be really enriching when you uh, get to learn about them in more detail. So this cosmic intelligence is imminent and that's this point that uh, it is not separated off somewhere else, but it's inherent in the, in the creation. Meaning uh, you don't have to go call on God to come here, quote unquote, uh, the thing that we call God or this divine mind or uh, this intelligence uh, is imminent and present in everything at all times. It's, it's in the words of uh, the Christian uh, apostle St. Luke, he described God as in that which, in which we live, move, and have our being. Right? So it's in that sense, and that's why one is immediately in contact with it. You know, it's like, oh, I sent a message up there somewhere. It's because it, it is imminent, uh, this intelligence that pervades everything. And there are people who have an experience called cosmic consciousness. Uh, it's a phenomena that, uh, a guy named Richard Buck wrote a book on 1893, book still in print, uh, looking at people who have had this experience of oneness, sometimes very momentary, uh, you know, five minute, two minute experience. One of the things that people have had this experience, one of the hallmarks of it is this realization that everything is alive with this divine energy and consciousness. That, it, you know, we're living in a sea of it and there is no separation from it. Uh, so that is one of the features that that level of consciousness reveals to people. And some would say, from a Rosicrucian point of view, uh, we look at cosmic consciousness being the, I will call the ultimate state of consciousness, is at least the ultimate from where we are now. And that's kind of looking at this continuum of, of consciousness, that you have basic consciousness, living things, uh, uh, you know, a snail, a mollusk, a, a mouse is conscious, then you have self-consciousness, I'm churned, right? You know, you know, you have an idea of yourself as compared to just being conscious and reacting to stimuli, which anything that's conscious will do. Uh, to some degree, we say in, in some animals, uh, uh, dolphins, elephants, bonobos, even you can see it actually in dogs uh, as well, there is some recognition of consciousness. So what they do in experiment, typically with uh, animals to see if they have self-consciousness, is they'll paint a little dot on the head, show a mirror, and see if the animal recognizes that's them as compared to another animal. Right? And so when they see, uh, they go, and they go to, they realize, ha, that's me. So that's that indication of self-consciousness. The point is that beyond self-consciousness, one would say is this notion of cosmic consciousness. So if you look at the human evolution of consciousness, or the expression of the evolution of consciousness, cosmic consciousness would be this other level of consciousness. And that's the thing that we as Rosicrucians generally 
what we do through our uh, mystical pursuit is in search and uh, in quest of cosmic consciousness. This realization, the oneness of everything. Uh, you could see it in certain avatars, Jesus, the Buddha, a number of people who had that kind of uh, realization uh, and uh, benefit. So there's, there's this other principle of harmony, uh, fundamental idea of, of Rosicrucian, the cosmic uh, basically uh, having that harmony. Uh, so, uh, and harmony is the orderly arrangement of things. We know that's a standard thing. You can sit on the piano, uh, you know, things are in a certain sequence and order. Uh, it's an underlying principle of the cosmic harmony. And uh, the cosmic always moves to bring things back into harmony. So when things get out of place, generally speaking, it's, you, know, you can look at a simple thing, something that it, it enters your body that doesn't belong in there, right? If you are in good health, the organism begins to push that out of the body, bring it back, restore it to harmony. Uh, you know, everything has its place. There's nothing wrong. I, I like to think of the picture. Uh, if you saw, uh, you know, a, a beautiful uh, field of flowers, you can tell the flowers, oh, that's beautiful. I throw like three truck tires in there. You go, oh, that's disturbed it. It's broken the harmony. But if I took those three truck tires and put them into a, a Goodrich or a Goodyear factory, so in a warehouse, and you saw all the tires arrayed there, you would see a certain beauty in that, right? Because there's a certain order and a certain harmony. So the tires are wonderful, but in the field, they're out of place. They're out of harmony, right? So everything has a place, just like that organism that makes you sick, the E. coli bacteria, it's fine if it's in your kind of intestinal tract, uh, in the lower part of your tract, but if it winds up in your mouth, uh, it's going to produce illness. So everything kind of has a place. Cosmic will generally uh, push the things, bring back, things back into harmony. And that's including our own minds and attitudes, which is really where life gets tough. Because without a harmony, life will generally bring it along. They've got to push us back into harmony. Depending on how much resistance we, pro we, pro we provide is the more force ultimately that comes along. And uh, eventually it can be uh, very strong, obviously. So something out of the place, the cosmic adjusted. I would say, as I was saying to these uh, fellows uh, earlier in the week on Friday, uh, it's better to try and go with it, try to adjust it, rather than having life crank up the volume and bring stronger and stronger experiences for us that make us adjust it. Uh, better to learn the easy way if you can. So there's an ecology uh, to the cosmic. All things are connected. Just like we see on the planet Earth, right? You know, you, you touch something over here in the kind of flora and fauna, it has effects in other parts. Everything is somewhat connected in some ways, sometimes very immediate and direct, sometimes indirect, uh, but all things are connected in that sense. Uh, every thought and action affects more than ourselves. Uh, sometimes we can see uh, very significant affection, sometimes they're very small effects. Uh, but our thoughts and actions uh, touch other people, we can see it in our everyday lives, uh, particularly with our actions. Uh, but if we harbor certain thoughts, we know people react to those thoughts over time, which those thoughts that you harbor manifest people as an attitude. People can pick up on even sometimes just in first meeting people say, oh, I have a, you know, don't like what I feel about that person because of the nature of their thoughts. Right? Their thoughts aren't open and warm. People pick up that more closed or, or even hostile kind of, maybe an angry temperament of a person and, and respond to that. Uh, this is kind of a, a basic uh, kind of Rosicrucian uh, idea here. So we ask things from the cosmic. So, okay, then uh, everything is available to us. Uh, 
and we're not trying to present this as this is like the cosmic, some sort of vending machine or as a Santa Claus, you know, like people very often, I think when we're younger, think about global God, uh, you know, you kind of do X, Y, Z, and then you're a good boy, a good girl, and then Santa, you know, God uh, gives it to you. Uh, not in that approach that we're, we're trying to uh, point out here, but that uh, the material things in life are inconsequential. And because they're inconsequential, uh, it means that really you can have them as much as not, not have them. It's not like somehow or another that material things are contrary to spirituality. The preoccupation with them, like a preoccupation with anything, can be then a hindrance to your spiritual, your spiritual growth. Because in a sense, you've kind of created a false god. It's the whole idea of idolatry of sorts of another kind of way of thinking of it, but you've created this false thing that you're chasing. But then in themselves, they have no material significance. So you can have material things, or you want that, you want that, it's okay. It's not that it takes away. But sometimes as we get so obsessed with certain things and how we pursue them, we can pursue them in a way that is detrimental to others. And that will put us out of tune with the cosmic. So one of the things that uh, we would say is, is you kind of put out what you need, you go about it rationally, but don't dictate or define how this thing must come to you. Uh, because if you leave it to the cosmic, the cosmic will do it in a way that causes no harm to any other part of the cosmic. Because if we think about it, every part of the cosmic uh, is equally valuable. It's all part of this one. So it, it, it acts in a way that is uh, good for the environment as a whole, the ecology as a whole, it's not going to do something to the detriment of one part of itself or its expression to simply benefit another part of its expression. Uh, the cosmic cannot be subdivided. This is saying, again, it's a unity in all dimensions. Uh, uh, when I say like a hologram, if you're familiar with a hologram, hologram, hologram is a kind of a film-like uh, material. Okay, so if you're familiar with also, if you take the film that's a holographic film, if you cut off a tiny corner of it, it contains the entire image, right? You don't get it as, as high resolution, but you can see the entire image in the smallest piece, whether it's a small piece or a large piece, of a particular holographic negative of film, piece of film, you can see the entire image. In that sense, I would say, the cosmic is indivisible, uh, like a hologram. So however you access it, uh, all of its nature is, is, is present. It's not like, oh gee, I gotta go over here to get it, or it's over, only over there. Uh, in that sense, it's indivisible. Uh, you know, this is the point I was making a little bit before. To remain in harmony, one's actions cannot be intended to cause harm to another aspect of the cosmic. So this is one. Right? There's no special people and pieces of it. So if your intention is to do harm to some other part of it, uh, you, it, will, it will bring you out of harmony because it's you know, one kind of soup of sorts.